All right. Well, then let's just start with that. Okay. What? Sure. Uh, what? So, what is? Uh, what is going on with Liquid? What's going on with Boxy? Oh, I thought you were going to ask about the major first. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I want to know about Boxy now. Um, he's had some uh, personal stuff, which I don't want to be too vague about, but I also want to respect his privacy. Um, and I don't want it to be like an excuse or anything. And it's like not my place necessarily. I think one day he will talk about it, but I think probably now is not that time. But anyways, he's had like an ongoing issue for some time, um, which is why I think people misinterpreted. I said in the interview, like we had reached out to Sumail a, f- a few months back and that makes it sound like we were thinking about replacing Boxy, but that wasn't the case at all. Um, pretty much everything's been dictated by Boxy. Like when he wanted to take the break and stuff, he messaged me. And so it's not like we're pressuring him at all or anything like that. Uh, I think a lot of times when people hear this stuff, it's kind of bullshit in the sense that, like, if I hear a team say, like, this guy's getting kicked for what was that? The dude death on Cole or whatever. Remember that? Like, he willingly gave up a major position. Sure, buddy. Um, (laughs) But, like, Uh, yeah, or or no one is standing in for AS Monaco Gambit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, no, they're. There's just like some stuff that is kind of, but in this case, it genuinely is that way. And so we're going to give him as much time as he needs. I have no idea what his timetable is. Um, if um, if you had to give it a percentage, what are the what are the chances that um, you guys end up playing with Samail at TI? Is that impossible or is that a very real possibility? I think it's a very real possibility. I'd say if I had to put odds on it, I know you I know you know that I love gambling and stuff. I'd probably say like <laughs> 30, 30%, which is like fairly okay. high, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but that also like presupposes that we make it. So, Let's right, see. right. So, for, for all intents and purposes, when we talk about liquid, we should just be, you, you guys have to be playing like this is your five man roster for TI. Yes, precisely. Okay. So, so basically, we can't give you guys any excuses. You know, I we mean, can give you excuses on our, our recent roster move and stuff, but like, yeah. as as far as like going forward, this is the liquid roster until it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's been complicated because Max has had to like learn things on the fly. Yeah, uh, I know he was an off laner before, but like that was like five years ago. <laughs> it's yeah, been, that like... was a long. <laughs> that that was a very different meta. Yes, Ti three to now is like. We're playing, you know, uh, there's so many different evolutions of the game. It's not even recognizable anymore what mid lane to off lane was, even yeah. back in the day. There's so much more things you can do now as an off laner, for example. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, it's just kind of funny. Back then, it was a bunch of suicide off laners and cheesy heroes Broodmother, Lone Druid, Bat Rider, Clockwork off lane. Yeah, Earthshaker maybe doing some blocking or something. That's yeah, like... you had to figure out a dumb way to get XP. <laughs> yeah, like pulling and stuff like that was not a real thing. Wave skipping, um, two on two lanes because tri lanes were so popular back then. Like somebody was getting screwed over, but now it's like kind of reasonable. But yeah, I mean, I think Sumail fits in pretty well on our team. I think we're like the first team to two O Hellbear Smashers. They gave very competitive games to OG and Secret, so I was pretty happy about that. I see people say a lot of times, like, well, we only have one strap, but it's like, well, yeah, dude, <laughs> we've had, like, one week to play together. <laughs> what do you guys want us to do? I think 
uh, people expect us to do like 50 different strats, but you don't have time in the day. You're going to focus like on a few, right? You're going to try to make things easy for everyone involved. We're not going to have yeah. Max play 100 heroes. We're not going to have Sumail play 100 heroes. That comes with time. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> we just had an interview with uh, Virtus Pro. DM was, was saying um, they don't have strategies right now. They will when, when they go to the major and they face up against stronger teams. But right now, their play is literally just pick strong heroes. That's, that's all they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of how it is in like most like beginner patches too. Like that's yeah. kind of how we're treating things too. We're just like picking whatever's good and then figuring it out along the way. All right. So let's uh let's go back in time then and uh what what happened at the major? That was a long run for you guys and <laughs> Yeah. It, it ultimately uh kind of went well but also went terrible because you yeah. guys didn't get anything for it. Yeah, that was pretty sad. Um so we get there, uh, thanks to Alienware, um, we had PCs and laptops and stuff. Real big shout out to them. Like, that is one thing. Not to segue and, like, kind of circle jerk, like, sponsors and Liquid and stuff like that, but... Because uh, not, trust me, our, my CAO ain't listening to this, and <laughs> none of our sponsors are listening to this. Uh, we get, like, probably, like, a thousand views, which is, like, nothing in the grand scheme of things, versus, like, me tweeting, but... Anyways, with that preface... Uh, it is really cool having like the strength of a big org behind you, and Singapore was like a pretty big reminder of that. You know, like even though it wasn't in our contracts, Liquid uh, paid for all of our food there, which was like a pretty big relief. Because try as you might, uh, delivering food. So like the hotel and stuff provided food, but they're trying to get food that they all cooked in one batch to like three hundred different hotel rooms, right? And mm-hmm. It's just going to come cold. And it's fish every day for some reason. <laughs> cold fish is just not ultra appetizing. And I think PGL did as good as... And the hotel tried their best. And, like, Singapore was very hospitable. But, like, it was just more efficient to order if you wanted, like, good hot food, you know? Yeah. Um. So, big ups to Liquid. And also the fact that we had, like, high-end laptops and 360 hertz monitors in our hotel rooms was, like, a pretty big benefit over a lot of teams, you know? And that, yeah, I was going to ask, like, how, if you had to guess, how many teams had instant access? So basically, you, you guys get there and you have to quarantine. And then there is, uh, as far as I understood, there was some sort of team room where there was PCs. Yeah. Um, but you guys either had to cycle it out or something. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't just like, oh, you have your own practice room. Well, right? I'll tell you how it went. It was like, okay. we landed there. We had to take another test. Um, like at the airport, then we get to the hotel. We're told we have to stay in our hotel room for 24 hours until we get results. Then once we got our results, we got into the practice rooms and we were able to use them from like 10 a.m. to like 10 p.m. Um, and that was how that went. And then every other day you took like a test. And then mm. we took like a blood test the first time around, which uh, let me just say some of my team members were ultra afraid of. But I was like, just don't oh, look they, at the needle. They don't like needles? Yeah, it's just a pinch. Yeah, if you don't stare at it, I actually stared at it, and it was a little nauseating, like watching blood being taken from you. And it's like, oh my god, that's a lot of blood. But then you kind of just get used to it. And then, you know, I, uh, I I hate needles. Ah, really? Yeah. I know that, no. But uh, you, you know how I like 
you know, overcoming fear and all that. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so I've I've given blood very often. Ah, oh, and like, like, that, uh, that, that kind of helped me, you know, because that's that's a big needle and yeah, it yeah. goes on for a very long time. So that yeah. kind of helped me uh, deal with it. Yeah, and like your heroin addiction too. Like, yeah, I mean, that... people were like, "What are those track marks?" I'm like, "No, I gave blood." You know, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's pretty inspiring stuff, honestly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we got there. First day obviously goes fucking like gangbusters. You know, we're six and zero. I'm on top of the world, and then things just go horribly wrong. Eventually, we clutch it in the end. But I mean, part of it is like we just had a really inefficient boot camp, and I think Europe, we all taught each other the wrong things. <laughs> okay, so what like what things were wrong? Um, <laughs> I mean, Europe and CIS, like we just played so fast against each other. But we did it in the wrong way. We weren't like Neon. We were doing the wrong heroes. I don't know. Everything was just kind of out of whack. That's that's why I think like CIS in Europe disappointed. It's because we're only playing against each other and we're not like... And if you're on to the wrong... A lot of the times Europe is on the right shit, you know? Like they're really smart about things. Like most of the European teams have the right idea. But when you're scrimming against each other constantly and you have the wrong ideas, but it's winning, you're just going to... Everyone's going to do it to a certain extent, right? And right. then it just fucks everything up, and that's kind of what happened here. It <laughs> so, becomes an internalized meta that, like, oh, this only works against them because yes. they're trying, we're they're they're trying four, and we're doing five, and five is greater than four. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Like we would play really fast, and they would play really fast, and whoever reached their timing first would just win. Mm. And nobody was really playing any form of late game. Whereas, like near the end of the tournament, everyone was just like first picking TP and shit. And also, like we didn't really know the answer to puck ourselves which was mm. a really large issue. Or like we thought we did and we had a really hard time struggling with it. But then everyone figured out how to beat our puck like pretty quickly. Uh, like the South Americans, Thunder Predator, they were sick, you know. They, but a large part of why they were so good was because they figured out that they weren't afraid of puck at all. And they had so many different counters to it. And so, whereas like in Europe, we didn't really find one um, in the same ways. And so it was like an internalized meta that just went all wrong. Like, I saw a lot of people say that Europe is absolute trash and stuff and stoke that fire and stuff. But I also think that, I don't know, like Europe's also proved itself many times over. You can afford to have like one bad tournament here and there. I don't think that that means automatically that the region is weak. And like if Quincy crew came here would stomp everything. I think Jack was like going a little bit too ham. <laughs> but I saw like Jack and Sammy boy like going nuts. Well, uh, I had I had Jack on for um, my my cast and and Jack. Uh, let me just say, Jack, um, he felt like he had been putting up with um, with uh, a lot of NA hate over you know this quarantine period. Everyone sure. kept just telling him that uh, NA was garbage and Europe was the best, and he he took uh, a lot of satisfaction in seeing the European teams lose. Yeah, but didn't his team also not get any points? <laughs> yes, but I think he took more satisfaction out of the, Europe doing bad than yeah, him but it's doing like, good. It's hilarious because like I love Jack to death. <laughs> Jack will always be my boy. But like it was kind of funny seeing him like latch onto South America. Like this is our success. <laughs> I'm like, is it though? Uh... <laughs> this is our win. I'm like, ah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of, I see a lot of like comments by like, especially like Sammy Boy, not to call him out and stuff like that, but it is obnoxious when you like want to preach unity and all you keep pointing to is like some no-tail tweet that he made in jest. The European teams like had a conversation to also back up like what the NA teams did. Um, And like, at least from my perspective, I support Jack fully and stuff like that. And so you're kind of pushing me away 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm one of your yeah. allies, and I'm like also from NA, and I'm trying to see your perspective. But it's really hard when you like stomp on us whenever like we have bad times. I don't what, gleefully what, laugh whenever like NA has a bad time. What do you mean by um, backing the NA team? <clears throat> like I don't disagree with any of Jack's stances or anything like that. I know like our org put out that like statement. Oh, when, know, it, when like, it came the to the the major yeah, thing, but that was okay. more just because I think, for example, Shannon forced hands a little bit by mm. saying that like a lot of teams didn't want to go and stuff like that. Um, but I still felt pretty safe in Singapore, and like I still support Jack. I don't know if he told you, but like we. PGL fucked up and they showed um, Lelis's screen. Yes. Or not. Yeah. Uh, it was somebody's screen from um, from uh, that team. And it had, your, it had their like uh, it had their notes scrims. on it or something. Yeah, okay. It had their fucking scrims. And like I willingly removed myself from the draft. And I told Jack immediately mm-hmm. from the second game. I was like, hey, I saw your scrims and stuff. I don't feel comfortable. So I'm going to, and then I told Aiden and he said, then he's, he, he told me I could leave the room, but we just kind of mutually agreed that that would be really weird and just lead to more questions. And we were kind of afraid people would then look at the VOD and try to see. So then I just kind of sat back and was quiet. Right. Uh, I think I made like one joke. So if you see my mouth move, but that was it. You can like, if somebody's really <laughs> well, good at reading lips, <laughs> but for the most part, I just stayed quiet. I didn't contribute to the draft or say anything at all. It was very, though, very honorable of you. Yeah, but it's like, that's what I mean. Like, I still back any Dota and I want to do the right things, but you're fucking making it hard, Jack. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love you to death, but you're like, we're trying to do the right things by the right people. <laughs> you know what he kept saying? He kept saying, it's been a long winter and spring is coming. I don't know why. <laughs> Clown. I, don't, I, I still love Jack, by the way. Only love him. <laughs> but yeah, things just went wrong at the major and we had a lot of stuff and frustration come out um and yeah it was just tough so um, um when when you guys ended up in the tiebreaker against yeah. as monaco gambit what, what was that feeling like because you guys went from six zero to zero six or whatever and yeah i mean it was a fucking nightmare but then they gave us io and suddenly it was like okay <laughs> <laughs> like mana from heaven yeah honestly i was like all right that's a free one <laughs> was, our io was unbeatable I was like, oh, God, we're never getting this hero again. And so, yeah, so, that, was, that was pretty chill. The narrative that I had, because I was obviously doing, I was covering the the whole thing from my own channel. And the yeah. narrative that I had going was that you guys had basically been figured out and that you yeah. weren't going to do well at the group stage. Would, do you, would you say that's accurate, that you guys sure, kind sure. of got figured out? Yeah, but I think we still did okay in the groups, right? Like, we were still only, like, one or two yes. games off of being, like, doing pretty well. You you ended up in essentially a a tiebreaker. You uh you had a big advantage, but you essentially ended up in a tiebreaker against Alliance. Where if you lost yeah. both games to them, then you would have to do a best of one yeah, tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Once we knew that we the only the first game mattered and the second didn't because of like how things went, we were just like, oh, screw it. Yeah, sure. Because it didn't affect Alliance or anything. Yeah, that that second game, I didn't even yeah. watch it. I think it didn't I think matter. I actually... It affected absolutely nothing. Not our yeah. not our seating, not anybody's seating, literally nothing. So then it's kind of hard to like. I'm not saying we threw, not at all, but it's just like kind of sad. You know, you're like, uh, it's like deflating. No matter what, yeah. you can't tell people like, hey guys, let's go in with that same energy where we had where we would have had to play tiebreakers in like a fucking sixteen way this yeah. time. But it's like guys, we have nothing to play for. We can't like playoffs. <laughs> like there's no upper bracket for us. It doesn't affect alliance at all. 
It is Especially it since is. you guys had played like 20 plus games by that yeah. point. And, Even if Alliance uh, beats us at that point, it doesn't matter. If they lose to us, it doesn't matter. Nothing mattered. It was a complete nothing ball of a game. So like, yeah, if we win that, we're still only like one game away from the playoffs or something or two. Can't quite remember, but we had like a much better group group stage run relatively. So my my thought was that um, about this major was that one, it was kind of a COVID major. So there's going to be a lot of um, asterisks put on this one. Um, yeah, the but, no crowd but, thing. But then I would also add in that um, it did renew the fact that I, I felt like um, almost almost everybody was was weaker than than they normally are at majors. I felt like everybody was kind of bad and that there were certain teams that were good. But like I, I thought the, the field, I thought people just weren't playing that well. And and I attribute that mostly just to the fact that DPC just doesn't actually have you play many games. Like yeah. you guys just aren't playing that much. Would you agree with that? Yeah, completely. Uh, this probably sounds like an excuse, but I think even like pretty much everyone, including us, just felt a lot worse. Um, mm -hmm. Just the sheer lack of games before in the past. I know teams complained about it, so it's a double-edged sword. But like the advantage that Secret and Enigma and all these teams once had was that they would play lands constantly. And they would do things constantly, right? Yeah. But now, like with the schedule set up the way that it is, it's like the teams that practice more um, and have good ideas that are the ones that are benefiting. Never in a million years did I think we would beat them, uh, Enigma in a, you know, in a best of three in something as high stakes as this. But we did, right? Yeah. Like, you look at the other side of the roster, and there's so many legendary figures. And maybe if they have more time, you know, you're given more opportunities and stuff to play, but. It's like, realistically, we're only going to play Secret twice, and that'll determine whether or not we go to TI. It's kind of nuts to me. As and like, a, now Alliance might have straight up qualified without winning a single, like, series on land, right? It's it's interesting that you talk about, like, what it was before, because I know a lot of complaints about, like, Tier 2, Tier 3 teams is, like, once majors uh, start, basically, there's, there's no good scrimming to do for a month because yeah. all the best teams are kind of gone. So as, as a counter-argument to that, um, is like aren't you able to just scrim more during this dpc like can't you effectively play the same number of of games maybe you're playing way less officials but you can still be playing the same amount of dota right you you can but at the same time like nothing really beats an official okay just there's no practice like the real thing sure like it'll be interesting when crowds come back to see what teams are still really good um because that is a big factor too there's nothing like a crowd, you know? Yeah. Um, it's so scary. You have no idea. Like, being in the booth, I remember at the Major in China, I was nervous as hell. I could just, like, see waves and waves and waves of faces. And that's, like, terrifying. It's, like, it's genuinely scary to think about that kind of stuff. And for this Major, did you really not feel very much pressure? Did your players not really no, feel that much pressure? No, because we're just inside, like, our hotel room, and we're yeah. vibing. And then it feels like the atmosphere is, like, completely different. Um, mm. No excuses. Like I think it benefited us too because we're generally a pretty new team, nervous and stuff. We just played bad. I have no excuses or qualms. Like I know people take that out of context and be like, "Man, Blitz is making every excuse under the sun." I fully admit that we weren't prepared the way that they should have been, uh, and mm -hmm. that's completely on me as their coach. I didn't prepare them in the way uh, that I should have. Uh, I was what... way too complacent. So, 
Okay, so can we get into that a little bit? Like, what what did what do you um, what did you learn? What did you want to do better in the future without getting maybe too specific? I think winning scrims. We were winning scrims so consistently that we didn't really look back of whether our ideas were like actually good or not, or what things that we could tweak. And okay. the most important thing is, is like, what are, well, what are the counters to what we're actually doing? It works, but like, if it gets picked against us, like the puck, for example, what are our answers aside from just banning it every single time? Like, how can we figure out ways to like efficiently use this practice? And so, in a, in a way, does, does that mean you guys have to theory craft more? Like, nobody's doing this counter against you among the teams that you're scrimming, right? But like, yes, it means you have to sit there and theoretically think about it without actually playing it out. Right? Yeah, we had to we had to just be smarter, and I wasn't, and that's completely you know my fault for not pushing for that a lot more. Um, because I think my biggest role as coach is to make sure that the direction that we're moving in is the right one at all times. Mm. I think people have like a really weird misguided sense of like what Dota coaches do. The strategy aspect is important for sure. Like absolutely it is. But it's also like my job to recognize like, hey, we're winning, but are we still doing the right things? Hey, we're losing, but are we still moving in the right direction? Like, are we getting closer and closer to our goals? Are we getting further and further away from them? I actually think that's like probably the most important thing. So that everyone's like, because people are naturally goal oriented, right? They want to know if the direction that they're moving in is the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that is a very unique um, skill to learn from your wins like that. I, I feel like very likely Secret has uh, done a good job of developing that skill, yes. seeing as they win so much. Yeah. <laughs> like you kind of only because everybody always does the mantra of like you always learn from your losses and stuff and losses are learning and all that sort of stuff but like what happens yeah. if you're just constantly winning yeah i don't even know if dota is necessarily like yeah you learn a lot from losing but at the same time like you have to have a lot of fucking mental strength because mm. for example there was a time period about six months ago where we were awful remember that esl in los angeles that we played yeah that was like terrible but i always felt or like when we first joined liquid and then we bottomed out of like two tournaments, you know, we Dream League and ESL, we got like last. And it's like, but I still weirdly felt like we were moving in the right direction. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like yeah. I still felt like things were good, which is really odd to say out loud. But like, and, you know, some of it is people claim hindsight because like, obviously I knew that we did well and we won an ESL like four months after that. But I just felt like our direction was still good, even though we were playing like dog. I mean, I, I can attest to that. I've heard other players talk about the fact that they they're losing, but they're they know they're moving in the right direction. They can yeah. tell they're making progress. Like it's like Brame and Hellbear Smashers. I think both of those teams are moving in the right direction. I think for like tier one point five slash tier two teams, they're actually doing great and they're pushing teams really far. And they're not actually that far from closing the gap. Brame took a game off of us. They almost beat uh, Enigma as well. They dominated them game one. Uh, not really dominated, but it was a good game. And then. Yeah. Hellbear Smashers, though, was very close to beating OG. And it's like, you know, when Misery steals the Aegis and stuff, and they miss up, like, one thing in-game when Ace TP's top. But, like, uh, you remove these things, and suddenly you're, like, a really good team. Uh, It's, like, the same. Like, Alliance, every single one of their series have been, like, two ones. If they had, like, lost all those clutch moments, which they didn't, you know, good on them. But, like, we'd suddenly be calling them, like, an awful team, right? Hmm. But it, it's not like they were very far from winning. Like winning or losing, the margins are so fucking thin at this level. It's so yeah. thin. And so some of it is like you have to be mentally resilient and understand that like, hey, we are on to the right stuff. And given enough time, we will get there. It's just about not quitting before you reach that moment. Because all this losing will eventually lead to something. 
there there is a lot of promise in these teams. Yeah, it it is pretty crazy how Alliance has gone to Game Three every single time in their series yeah. and it has yet to drop that. On the on the other side, it's actually funny. T Governor uh, predicted that Hellbear Smashers. He said this is a team that will that will they will take a game off of maybe every single team yeah. in this region, but they won't win a single series. That was his prediction for Hellbear Smashers, and it's uh, been nuts. like. Pretty accurate. Uh, yeah. I guess you would kind of expect that from the former coach, but yeah. I mean, we. I think we kind of crushed them, but we were yeah. also like riding an ultra high. Like, you know, we're in like some crazy honeymoon phase with Sumail. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was going to ask about that. You guys do look good right now, and I. I know the field is close. I'm not. I'm not going to naysay that whatsoever. But you guys have been since you guys did pick up Sumail. It feels like it's been the perfect kind of run-up for you guys. You're playing Brain, Hellbear Smashers, Tundra. Like, I think you guys are playing basically the the bottom four teams, expected mm-hmm. bottom four teams, as sort of a, a run-up. Um, do, do you think that's uh, good for you guys to yeah, kind of absolutely. get that running start? It shows, like, you got to build somewhere. Uh, we got pretty lucky with, like, how the schedule worked out, which yeah. is another thing that kind of sucks about the TPC, because I felt like last season we got kind of unlucky with like how things are spread but like this time i really like it and it's not just because of how we're doing it's like there's just some luck of the draw here uh which is kind of unreal kind of crazy but it is what it is if secret for example goes and defeats alliance and beats everybody else then we're gonna look back on it and be like man nigma was really lucky they faced secret in the very first week and there's no like way for Secret to like catch up to that. But it, I mean, you have to be good every week, I guess, is the counter argument. But it would be kind of nice to at least play everyone twice. Yeah. Just like run it back a little bit. But yeah, Sumil's been great. 10 out of 10. Nice. What is, uh, so Boxy left, Sumil joined, like, was that like the same day or something? I felt like it was. So Boxy let us know, um, about two days before the Nigma series that he was going to take a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I immediately got on the phone with Sumail, who we, again, because I told him, like, hey, you need to just be on standby. We don't know when. Uh, and he was very gracious, and he said, absolutely, no problem. Um, and then I asked our department and stuff, like, how quickly we could get him here. And this is another thing about, like, being a big team that helps. We were able to get him a visa, like, insta. We were mm-hmm. able to, like, set up legal docs and everything for him, like, instantly like simultaneously almost that took a lot of work actually trying to figure out his details and stuff because there's so many situations that i had to like account for legally you know like what if boxy plays the major and Sumail only plays like two games or four games and what does this mean for god it was so complicated but um anyways yeah so then he got here like the day after we finished our series or like the day after that or something he got here like mm-hmm. wednesday or thursday morning and we played on like monday or tuesday and so we kind of just like hit the floor running after that. Um, was there, um, I, I feel like this is a little silly given who Samantha is, but was there ever a question of um, who you guys, even a couple months ago when you said you kind of broached that conversation, was there ever a question of who else would stand in? Were you looking at anybody else? Yeah, we talked to Kezu uh, before the major. We said like, hey, we might not, uh, Boxy might not be able to play, just kind of be on standby. And he also said yes. And, but then now mm. he's in like Div 2. And the thing yeah. is, um, we told, we, I saw a lot of people say like, sucks for Sumail if Boxy just comes back. 
but we were very transparent with Sumail what the situation was. I did mm-hmm. not give him any false illusions at all. He 100% knows the deal. That Boxy could come back tomorrow and that's, you know, curtains. But at the same time, what people forget is he's not doing anything right now anyways. Yeah, it, so, it does kind of say that he doesn't seem to have any... I'm sure he has other offers, but he doesn't seem to have any other offers that he's actually interested in. Yeah. What'll happen is like after TI, what's great for him is like he'll be able to make a great resume here. And if we don't use him, then after for the quals, you know, it'll be a free for all to get him. And he'll yeah. then have like it won't have mattered anyways because people will see out their roster to what it is right now. I don't think Kazu wants the chance, like a thirty percent chance to maybe play TI with us versus like trying to like get it through his own merit on Viking, for example. So we didn't really bother really asking anyone else. I just told Sumail what the situation was. I said, look, you could be here for like one day and we just send you home. Uh, we pay, we're going to pay him no matter what. Uh, I said, like, no matter how short of a time here, we'll pay your full rate just so that you don't feel like you're screwed over. I told him you could stay here if you want, practice pubs. Uh, I said, like, if you get an EU team, then you kind of have to leave. Because <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that would just be weird, right? That'd be a huge conflict of interest. Yeah. But uh, I said, like, other than that, like, if you don't have a team, you can be here as long as you want. You can watch our scrims and stuff. Like, we told him, I told him personally that he could come as our coach too, like a side person. Mm. We'd, we'd help him out too, that regard continue. <laughs> Liquid like, the three coach team. Yeah. But I, like, <laughs> I, I'm trying to make his situation as easy as possible too. So sure, sure. He doesn't feel like he's just getting screwed here either. Um, so, yeah, we made sure that he understood the situation so- 100%. I uh, I listened to Seb's interview recently, and yeah. he had very nice things to say. He said um, Samel was like, I think he said one of the kindest players he's ever played with, or something like that. Yeah. He had a post game interview with you, and you had you hyped Samel up to the moon. You said that he is a fantastic teammate, all those sorts of things. So, why do you think he isn't? Why do you think there is nothing else for him to do rather than just you know stand in for you guys? in this situation i don't know um genuinely there must be a reputation thing also Mm. speaking of og just something i like had in my brain that i wanted to clarify and i thought about reaching out to seb i saw you know i i read back my interview and stuff and for once uh in a really long time i read reddit comments i just i genuinely just don't anymore but i kind of wanted to see what people thought and i wanted to make sure family thing yeah yeah i wanted to make sure that my message about boxy was clear and that like it helped clear up confusion if that makes sense. That's why I read the Reddit comments. Like, you know me, I used to be a fiend for yeah, like, how often yeah. do you see me post anymore? Anyways, so um, I saw people post about that fake family thing and that I was like trying to bite at OG. You know me, that was not my intent at all. No. Um, I think those are a good group of guys. I really like OG. That was not... I, I think people are trying to build that like, oh, you went at OG and their family thing. Like, no, that's not what that the case was at all. Relax. I mean, there there are a lot of teams who use the the family uh, noun to to describe themselves, you know. Yeah. So, so just kind of, I just meant to say that, like, if I preach it, which I don't, I don't think I like say it all the time or anything. But if that was my personal philosophy, and I went back on that, I would feel bad. Sure. Because family means for me, anyways. Like, I really look at these guys as a brotherhood. It doesn't mean that we'll never have roster switches or anything like that. But while they're here. And while we give ourselves like an honest chance about stuff, we might as well do things the right way. And that means that if somebody needs to take a break for like reasons that are outside of their control, 
you can't also punish them for doing that. You have to support them, which sucks. And maybe it costs us TI. And I know a lot of people are saying like it's competition and that stuff matters. But at the same time, like I have to be able to live with myself. Sure. And I know, you know, that I think about these kinds of things a lot. Like it keeps me awake at night whenever I like make fuck up and shit. Yeah, for sure. And this one, I don't think I could really forgive myself if we just abandoned Boxy. So we'll let him I, do it. I think it also helps that um, TI has so many crazy factors going into it that like just strictly trying to be the best team is, is not actually what wins you TI. I mean, like OG are probably the best example of that, the back-to-back of like believing in your teammates and believing in yourselves is like a really big part of being able to go through that that ti hell yeah um i want everybody to you know like whenever they're land i don't want them to think about like their jobs in that way yeah so um yeah i mean also i had a weird thought about og i was thinking to myself like when i watch ufc fights i think like you're not really the champion until you defend your belt and those mm-hmm. guys did it i yeah. view them as like the one true champ because, like, obviously it's not easy to win even a single TI. But defending your belt is kind of insane. Yeah. You know, they're, like, the real, real champs. That's kind of cool. A lot of respect to them. Yeah. Not the saying only, that, like, uh... it invalidates anybody else's wins or anything like that. But that longevity to span a year is kind of incredible. Yeah, the only other teams who have come close to that sort of thing is the old Navi, right? Three-time yeah. grand finalist. But... That's also in the era that I think a lot of people write off everything that happens before TI basically. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um and then EG, right? Third, first, third. Yeah. They may, maybe appear in that grand finals, but they came close to trying to defend. Yeah, I think defending your title is like just such a big thing from a sportsman perspective for me. It doesn't invalidate your wins, that's not what I'm saying, but like, you know, it's just uh, as a fan of sports, that's how I view it. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, Sumail topic. Um, I will say that I had a lot of misgivings going into things, if I'm just 100% transparent. Yeah. Um, I went to visit the EG house back in 2018 before TI8 because I was going through a lot of stuff, which I think you're aware of. Mm-hmm. And it was right before the summit. And our tour invited me over to kind of just like hang out, help out with the boot camp, and just like be around the boys. So it was like me, Sumail, our tour. Eventually, me and Sumail ended up flying Gunner out there. We like split his flight so he could come play PUBG with us in person. <laughs> and then like it was a really good vibe. But like uh-huh. me and Sumail had a lot of arguments, and I kind of walked away from it thinking like, nice, charismatic kid, but kind of an asshole. Like would not want to work with, and kind of drives me up the wall a little. Okay. Bit. And um, I remember I told him that, and he's like, "What did I do?" <laughs> and that's funny but like i i just kind of walked away from it like not with the best impression and so like um <laughs> you look at the skill and now you're like okay this guy is amazing but why is nobody else having him it's kind of like one of those weird things where everyone's afraid to touch him because no one's no one's going for it you know what i mean by that mm. yeah he, the, he must be a toxic entity if, yeah. if secret doesn't want him and or if, like, eg Nygma doesn't want ask him, him yeah, it's and like, it's like okay. all of these teams aren't asking him. There must be a reason behind this, right? And I was like, "Are we fools for doing this?" But we didn't really think about it too hard, and I had a good feeling about it. And I usually trust my gut when it comes to these things. So I asked him, and we had a conversation, like a pretty honest heart to heart. When he got here, I told him my expectations, my view of him as a player. 
uh, and I asked him about some of the past stuff, and he had great answers for everything. I felt like he was 100% responsible for things. Uh, very mature, very, very mature. I think he has a lot of self-awareness, much more than people give him credit for. I think he's a very tongue-in-cheek kind of humor, too. Like, he likes to say things that are somewhat, like, stupid, but, like, with a smile. Like, you know the whole, like, would you take the title or money thing? He brought mm. that up, and he was like, obviously, I would take that. But people took that so seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, would I still be grinding, making, like, no money during this time if I didn't love it? No. Um, yeah. And then there's also, like, some rumors that he's got some crazy buyout. I see that posted all the time, that he's demanding, like, oh, a really? 50K salary or something. Um, that's not the case at all. He was very reasonable with the circumstance, I would say, mm -hmm. like beyond most players. It's not anything to do with that. I think there's just some kind of like weird scarlet letter on him that exists for honestly no reason. I'm glad we took the chance on him. Um, this is no slight to like ILTW or Enigma, but I'm very surprised that they didn't take a stab here because Sumail wants to scrim all the time. We had an off day yesterday because I said if we 2 0 Hellbear Smashers, we could have an off day. And like he was like, I'm so bored. He's <laughs> like, I just want to scrim and I just want to watch replays. And I'm like, are you serious? And I know this sounds like I'm kind of like grandstanding for him and stuff like that, but I'm being dead serious. I wouldn't say anything on this podcast that's not true because like not enough people watch it. No offense to us, but I can just be real here and it's kind of nice. He straight up is the one leading replay sessions. He's like, I want things structured in this way. Do you guys mind? And we're like, no, not of, of course. You know, you've got a lot of experience here. We want to do things and try to see things your way. Um, and he's been fantastic. Grinds, replays out, shows us moves, talks about his own mistakes first, always. Like, the way that he talks about his own mistakes is excellent. You know, he's like, I fucking grief this game. Even though it's like the smallest thing. And he's like, ah, this move that I made was just so bad. And then the rest of the time, he's super complimentary. You know, he's telling Max, like, dude, your offlane is, like, amazing. The way that you call in game is, like, phenomenal. Very supportive. Like, when we lost game two against Tundra, he was like, guys, it's okay. We got this. Like, this doesn't mean anything. We're going to get through it. I had said after that Tundra series, I made this comment like, hey, don't, like, hype yourselves too much after a game one because look what happened. Like, let's get into focus mode. And we were doing it again after Hellbear Smashers game one, you know, where we absolutely stomped them. Mm -hmm. And Sumail was telling the guys, like, hey, remember last time what Will said? Let's calm down a little. Let's focus on the next game. And that I thought that was really cool. That means like he's list he's listening, paying attention to things that I'm saying too, and trying to like take it and immediately use it, and trusting that like I know what I'm talking about too about my team, and so I just felt all of that was like really really cool, like everything he does. Uh, I had to I had to have a talk with him once where I was like, hey, I didn't like how you did this thing. No argument at all. He gave me his reasoning. Didn't really try to defend himself. Was just like, hey, this is what I was thinking. Understand that I'm wrong. You get the team better. My bad won't happen again very easy to like talk to most of the time like people take that kind of stuff somewhat personally you know whenever you criticize any aspect of their personality sure. but he was very like easy easy about it like super easy about it um, so um i I'm, I'm stuck on thinking about that that thing from 2018 um so that would have been three years ago um he would have been 19 yeah uh, a, a lot of people change a lot um in those kind of formative years do you think that part of his behavior now is like do you think he's changed do you, do you think that part of the reason maybe he, people aren't picking him up is that he maybe was a toxic 
element, but then he has kind of realized it and has gotten better. Yeah, very well. Uh, could be. I mean, 19 is so young. Yeah. Like, I think about what I was in 19. I mean, think about the person that you... I, I mean, you've always been an upstanding guy. Just, you know, straight up. But, like, think about what a shithead I was when you met me at 25. You know, I was, like, a lot more obnoxious. <laughs> that is I not think, true. But... I, was I liked like, you a lot. Yeah, but I, I think I think objectively, like I'm, I like to think. Sure, that you're a better person, person now than you were then, and yeah. and the same applies to me as well. So yeah, yeah. sure, I don't see it because like genuinely, but like even in that time stone, like Charlie, one of our best like friends, I think he's grown a lot too in the last year. Yeah, you know, it's like it can happen, and you got to give people time and space to do it. And if they have enough self awareness and like will to change, then they're going to. And I felt like with Sumail. I think he took a real honest look at himself and like why he was, some of the struggles were happening because the talent's all there. You can see it instantly. You know, he's winning like yeah. Lesh versus TA dominantly two times in a row. It's like he yeah, just bobbed it... <laughs> every lane. Like it's it's unbelievable how badly he just like makes other good players look terrible in yeah. our scrims, like in our officials. Um, you know, for example, like uh, Wish or whatever has looked very good, and Stormstormer, you know, like went toe to toe with Nisha. And did great, and it's like, then you know, Sumel just makes these guys look like they shouldn't be in there with him, and so the skill's so always been there. Is Sumel playing mid for you guys more about Sumel being a good mid, a great mid, um, or is it more about Koifa being able to play off lane, or is it, it more about Sumel having failed at off lane? I guess no, I don't think he really. I don't think he was a terrible off laner, but I think Max is like the most flexible player in the world. I'm okay. just honest about it. I think this has more to do with Max being as like good as he is. Yeah. Like I think Sumil would be hard to like hard press, but I think he even admitted that Max makes like a better offlaner. Um, maybe there's some ego there, but like he's been pretty good about it. He's like, no, Max is like phenomenal offlaner. And I, I don't want this to mean like that people think Max is a bad mid laner either. He's not. Like we want a lot of games with him. We want an ESL with him. It's just what's easiest for the team right this second. If anything, I think it's like a common, it should be seen as like a commendation for Max and like how flexible he's been and like mm -hmm. how good of a just straight up Dota player he is. I think he won us the Enigma series with his tiny. His tiny was fucking unreal. Like he found miracle every single time. He made game three look like a joke. Yeah. He bodied this guy in game one as well. Like his Pugna. Like Max is just un he's crazy. Um, he was like peaking at the right time, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we made him move, and I I know people look at him badly as a result, but. This guy, like, he's fucking great. Fantastic teammate. Works really hard. Checks so, all the boxes. I, I describe the difference between them as mid players as Koifa is like ye old faithful. You know, he goes off yes. at the exam, exact same amount, the exact same time. You know, like, he is not going to get dumpstered ever. Yes. Uh, but he is less likely to totally dumpster his opponent. Meanwhile, Samel is that guy who humiliates other midliners you know that yeah like he really goes for the gusto he wants to fucking dominate that matchup would, would you say that's accurate yeah and <laughs> i mean i love sumail but it also sometimes like yeah it can backfire yeah. yeah we scrimmed against a team actually just an hour ago where he really fucking went for it and he got bopped and it made the game really hard <laughs> <laughs> but like it's fine because the you know the nine out of ten times like he does he does win it because of how good he is. Right. Um, but yeah, I hope if you're like a prospective team watching this, like we're not, me and Seb aren't in some like conspiracy to get 
team like him hired trying to offload the toxic element to tank a team (laughs) it's just it's one of those things he's very good people should definitely take a chance on him absolutely should like this kid is phenomenal great teammate literally ideal i think he's a top three mid laner in the world and he's probably one of the like he's up there in the people that i've worked with so far so what else do you really need from a personality standpoint excellent fit he's a funny kid uh he's really easy to get along with um he's like genuinely very charismatic and fun you know it's like yeah yeah i think um I mean, it has been six years since he won a TI. So when we were talking about, like, you know, what shitheads we were when we were teenagers, early 20s yeah. and stuff. Now give like, me a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, give, give me a million dollars for being great and everybody pumping me up as being the best. Look at this yeah. guy. He's fucking dumpstering everybody. Yeah, like, I, I think I'd probably become a bit of a, a, a shithead for sure. Yeah, you want money through the strength of your own skill at something that you're better than most grown adults at that have been doing it their entire lives. Yeah, you know, you're like, a millionaire before you you turned uh, became an adult. Like, yeah, you made more money than like your like family ever has, and now you're like the sole breadwinner. Of course, you're gonna get a bit of an ego. Fuck yeah. off with that shit. I I really hate when people like judge that much when these guys are still like young and they haven't really had many people to help them figure this stuff out. It's not like real sports where you've got like 50 different coaches and an advisor and people that have been set up to like help you succeed. Dota's bunch of media of obligations, a bunch yeah. of like fan interactions. Like a lot of these guys, they're inside this team house, these four other dudes. And then maybe they go to an event and like get a bunch of fans that are crazy about them and stuff. Yeah. But like that's kind of it. Also, uh, on a side note, for stuff like that, I think Aiden's probably a really good influence on Smell too. Mm. Aiden's just like a really easy captain to work with. The more that I'm like with him, the more that I appreciate what he brings to the table. He's just such a good guy. Aiden will like, Aiden's the type of guy that I think will just like succeed at anything he tries at. Always. I think he'll always be good at whatever he wants to be good at. Like, oh, he could I... be a talent. He could be a captain. He could do a lot of things. If he went back to school, I bet he'd succeed at that too because he's like very bright. The, uh, so Samael, uh, you know how Samael had that 8K? Uh, comment about me that, that went up yeah. on Reddit and stuff. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, I thought it was funny and you and I were, were clowning back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I tweeted at Samael because I thought it would be funny. Yeah. And uh, he actually reached out to me in a, a DM. It wasn't like super obvious, but I, I feel like in some ways he was making sure that I didn't take any offense. Yeah, and I but told him, absolutely How not. mature is I that? Thought was, I thought it was hilarious. But how mature is that too? Like yeah. this guy sees that he might have hurt your feelings and he just wants to double check that like everything's cool. I also think that's really like mature and like a sign of like, I wouldn't do that at 21. I would just oh, think yeah. like, bro, it's a joke. Like it was very clearly a joke, but some people might. And even though he knows you pretty well and I think he understands your sense of humor, he still made the effort of reaching out to say that like, hey, we all good? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was because I had just brought it up, by the way, to him, because we were talking about European MMR earlier in the day. Oh, and really? I, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Cafe AK? And he's like, fucking trash region. <laughs> it, was just like, <laughs> it was like joking, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think he thought it was, it would be funny. And so, yeah, yeah. Like, I think he's definitely grown up a ton, which is really cool. It's like really cool to see guys like this, like, grow up in front of your eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. All right, so you guys have the rest of the DPC to go. Um, yeah. You are still in a decent position. If if I remember right, you guys are still on that. Uh, you guys haven't lost more than two series, correct? 
yeah, we're um, we're we've only lost one. We're okay. second right now in the league, like firmly second. Yeah, you guys four and zero, liquid three and one, and then there's um, oh man, secret actually lost against the uh, alliance. I forgot about that. So yeah, the uh, you guys are really well set up. You've got OG to still play, which is a big one because you guys are two and one, or the OG is two and one, so they yeah. could potentially take that away from you guys. Uh, and then who else? So Tundra is your next opponent. You've got Tundra and OG, and that's it. Oh, and C. Yes, that's uh, it's doable. The yeah. Tundra series is huge. If we win the Tundra series, then life gets a lot easier because mm. I think Nigma and OG still have to play against each other, right? So one that of those is true. will have yes. more than two losses yeah. anyways, which would probably secure us in any case, unless we end up losing. But like at max, we would have three losses, and so we'd go tiebreakers at the very worst. Yeah. And I think OG hasn't played Secret yet, right? Uh, yeah, OG has not played Secret. They also haven't played Nigma yeah. uh, and Tundra. They, they have mostly played so against the weakest winning Tundra. So Winning Tundra helps our chances like a ton. Yeah. Um, like actually makes life really easy for us at that point. We like fully control our destinies. Because I think Nigma still has to play against somebody good, but I can't remember. Aside from OG. Uh who? Secret? Um, no, Nigma. Oh, Nigma Nigma still has to play against um OG and Tundra. All right, let's just drop down to the recording. So uh, I may or may not be closing it out here. I'll just do an inch outro and say I didn't really have that much left to talk about the, with Blitz anyway. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the podcast. And we will we'll hopefully do this again, not in two months, but maybe a month. Maybe we'll do it again after uh, the DPC closes out as they start getting ready for the major. Uh, and yeah. Thank you for watching. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, letting people know that this podcast exists because I, I obviously have the other podcast, the Seinfeld podcast that I do with Joey that's been longstanding. Um, but yeah, he, he just messaged me. But uh, this one's a, a little bit more underground. So appreciate it if you guys let people know that this exists because I think it's pretty good. Uh, his PC absolutely blew up. All right, so uh, we're just going to call it there.